0: Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com to sign up for your trial today. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bat Flip, episode 84, here to recap your week seven fantasy baseball fab, the big movers and shakers, and kind of the thoughts going forward with those players and probably talking about some strategy and other good stuff along the way. Got some listener questions at the end, as always. You can find myself on Twitter at BDEntrick, and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Toby G. How we doing, man?
1: Uh, we're doing all right, Bubba. We're trying to maintain a positive you know, positive outlook. Just yeah. trying to remain positive. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do uh, on the show today. Cause it's been a, it's been a struggle. I know a lot of people are hurting with injuries and a lot of people are hurting with uh, players just, you know, hitting under 200. I've, I've managed to accumulate a lot of different shares of players who are achieving both of those outcomes. So, um, but, you know, again, remaining positive, Keep it positive for the listeners and 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 help help all of us rejuvenate our seasons.
0: Yep, I'm with you. It's uh, it's still technically a long ways to go, about three quarters of the season to go. So a lot can still happen. Um, like last week, I remember in Tout Wars where I'm down near the bottom because I have everyone injured. Uh, I had like three good days to start the week. and I went to the middle of the standings and then by the end of the week, I was back on the bottom. So <laughs> just a, cu- a couple of good days can change a lot of things. It's 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 still, still time to make things happen. Uh, it's just crazy because the last couple of weeks, the fab hasn't been as wild as it was to start the year because a not as much money's out there anymore. And B just really hasn't been the, I guess the game changing ideas uh, uh, additions I should say at the moment. So we'll talk about some of those, but yeah, it's been a very interesting year. Um, we have a question coming up later from our good buddy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Buxton fan club member. I'm going to throw that one out there for you. Um, he's got one that stung close to heart. Cause I, I, I meant to respond to it. and I didn't. He has the situation that you have, that I have, and that some others have. And it's just when our two aces are Lucas Toledo and Luis Castillo. Yeah, yeah, good times. Yeah. Hey, but Castillo got, struck I've out got eleven one of those today. Teams. Castillo struck out eleven today in five innings, and that three run homer he gave up was a very good pitch. So I'm gonna, I, I'm a grain of salt that in the back of my head that he actually pitched pretty well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that yeah. for now, but no, uh, I, baby I, I, I steps.
1: Think- it's, it's absolutely remarkable. At one point in time, I tweeted out, you know, he had made thir- he had made 13 outs, 11 of them were strikeouts, which means on balls in play, six of the yep. eight, had either been home runs or base hits, you know, his, his bab up against was 600 at that point. I think
0: that's, that's and, pretty impressive um, stuff.
1: Yeah. It's just like, just when he looks like he's getting it there, but those are the breaks you make. I mean, you know, the pitch was it was certainly not down right down the middle. It was a little maybe elevated higher than he wanted it to be. But, you know, those, those pitches will happen many times throughout the course of a game. And the question is whether you the home run is hit or not. And yeah, everything that could go wrong has been going wrong for him. But certainly encouraging. I mean, I think it's hard not to watch that and be encouraged that we may see better things to come. I feel like he's primed for two no-hitters in a row. You know, like with no hitters happening the way with the amount of positive regression he's got coming his way. I mean, mark it down here. Luis Castillo will either get a perfect game or two no hitters in a row this season.
0: We are going bold to start things out here. Oh, bold, prediction. I'm loving it right out the and gate. He'll still,
1: you know. still be god awful in his ratios. Yes.
0: It's still going to be rough, but uh, yeah. we're going bold here. So I appreciate that. Um, but let's uh, let's get into some of the um, the additions this week on Fab. As usual, we go over NFPC. The um, we just do the player movement page. We do all formats, so it combines main event, TGFBI, OCs. So it's a little skewed in some respects, but it also shows the mo the most acquisitions period on, on things going on here. And the top ad this week was Logan Gilbert of the Seattle Mariners. The rookie uh, made his debut last week. He pitches his second start on Wednesday against the Detroit Tigers. He was um, already added in some leagues because he was uh drafted and dropped, and so some people picked him up. Some people held him. But he was adding in 270 leagues. I'm assuming that's the rest of the leagues that he was available. And this was a weird one because he went as high as 337, as low as one, of course. I know in a 12-team league on NFBC, I got him for $31 with no backup bid. I, j- I saw Jeff Zimmerman tweet out he got him for 63 with no backup bid. I know some people obviously spent well in the three digits. It was a it was a very wild week when it came to like volatility in bids, especially for the bigger names. That like I like I've talked before. I just kind of throw like um, keep modest bids, thirty one bucks. Like ah, well we'll see what happens. Not even an opposition at it blew my mind. So what's your thoughts on Logan Gilbert? Because the stuff is good, but he's young, and I'm, I'm I think it's gonna be a roller coaster ride.
1: Yeah, I mean it's always tough to know what to expect from rookies when they come in. Uh, his first outing obviously started a little bit a little bit rocky, but when you look at the underlying metrics, they're still really good. You know, again, we're talking about four innings, but it's what we have to go to go with at the at the big league level. And it was against who was it against Cleveland, I think. So not yes, necessarily the, the stiffest of competition, but <laughs> there's a lot of not stiff competition out there uh, at the moment. But you know, he got swings and misses. He got chases on pitches outside the zone. He was able to dominate in the zone. Uh, he didn't walk anybody. He struck out you know 27.8 percent of the batters that he faced. So you know, a nice, a nice little outing to start off because the results at this point are just kind of meaningless. So the skills are good. And, you know, he, he comes with excellent prospect pedigree. I think people have high expectations for him. He pitches in a great ballpark. You know, the winds are going to be tough. Who knows? I mean, runs are one thing, but Mariners are just working on hits at this point in time. Like, can they, can they, can they get a couple of those? <laughs>
0: Yes, that's uh, a big walk, question. Uh, yeah. crawl
1: before you walk I guess um yeah. as they've been no hit through three innings by uh by Spencer Turnbull or or it's yeah, perfection so far um and so yeah so I just think I think you know he's one of the pitchers that should make a difference this year uh and so I think people being aggressive and and, and picking him up were you know, kind of betting on that. And and hopefully that's what ends up happening. Um, I know personally, I, I don't know if I ended up getting him anywhere. I actually had him on a couple teams um, earlier in the season. And, um, you know, there was, there was a tweet just about how they were just getting him started in, in early May and they were hoping to stretch him out by June and then their injuries happened and kind of expedited the process a little bit. So a little bitterness there, but um, I, I think he'll be, I think he'll be solid moving forward.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's going to be very solid. There'll be the, the couple of hiccups like most young pitchers have, and there'll be the outings where he's like looking really good, and the first sign of problems will yank him to, quote-unquote, save his innings. So there'll be some frustrating aspects like that as a fantasy owner, but uh, I think he's going to be very, very good. The strikeouts should be there pretty much time and time again. It's just a matter of can he avoid the hard contact. In, in a small sample, he gave up almost 54% hard contact. On, on his debut against the Cleveland Indians of all teams. So that might make you step back and think a couple times when he faces maybe the Astros or someone like that, going, maybe I should sit and watch. But I think he's going to be very, very good. So I'm with you there. And you're pretty much going to run him out there and see what he's got since you've spent that hard earned cash on I mean, him. He's one of the first guys that I've been like, okay, I'm cool with seeing a bigger bid on him because, you, like you said, he feels like one of those kind of game changer types, not like some other additions we've seen from time to time. All right. The next move is a potential closer, which is so funny because the one and only Vlad Sedler, we were joking around on a DFS night where Michael Fulmer came um, out of the bullpen and got lit up. I can't remember who they were facing. And I said something like, why would you bring in Michael Fulmer and something blah, blah, blah. And uh, Vlad Sedler goes, because he's their best reliever. And we both laughed. Well, three weeks later now, Michael Fulmer is the closer, basically, of the Detroit Tigers. He picked up his third save on Monday night. He's three for three in save ops. And he got added in 231 NFPC leagues, as high as 216, as low as a dollar. I actually have him on a bunch of like DCS and best balls. I drafted him super late, just thinking a late pitcher to get innings at one point in time, not thinking I get saves from him. But I did not get him in. in I, I did a lot of keep him bids, and I got outbid by like five to ten bucks almost. Did you get Fulmer anywhere? And are you a believer? Because I think I think it's going to be his until he loses it, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean there aren't a lot of options. Greg Soto has been 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 absolutely Horrible. awful. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, he got the save I think two weeks ago and then, um, he got the save. I think on, it was on Sunday, maybe, you know, that always boosts up the the fab prices, but yeah, it looks like it's his gig. And I can, I think it kind of makes sense from their perspective. Um, you know, I wasn't super aggressive. It was kind of interesting. I was looking at his skills since he moved to the bullpen and they actually hadn't been that great. Um, you know, everything was kind of, um, you know, he was giving up a lot more in-zone contact. I want to say when I checked, his velocity had also dipped. Um, you know, at least it had dipped a little bit. It looked like it came back up with his last outing. So, again, we're dealing with small samples here. But um, he looks good. I mean, he's been producing. And, um, yeah, I, don't, I think that they don't mind having him in that role. I think at this point in time in his career for them, they don't see him as, like, a long-term guy for them. So one of the ways that they might be able to boost up his value a little bit is to show that he can be an effective reliever. So yeah, I mean kudos to folks who were, I think, able to get him. It looks or maybe it was it was Monday. It was yesterday that he got the save. Yeah, he got his third
0: save, yeah. yeah. He got his third
1: save yesterday. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it looks like a, a good move. Um I think, you know, he should he should be fine. He should be fine.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like uh, that addition with him because I like, you know, you had Soto they tried Buck Farmer. They tried Garcia. They tried so many moving pieces there in Detroit. And for now, he actually looks like the most comfortable one there. That obviously can change pretty soon. But you also hit you hit the nail on the head: is if he can just be productive for like a month, they can potentially trade him like they did Shane Green or someone else and get something back as they continue the rebuild. So I, I like that uh, a lot. I think it's a good move for now. If he gets if he gets traded, we're in trouble, obviously. But. If you get a month or two months of him saving games, get you 10 to 15 saves potentially. That might be all the wins that the Tigers get in two months, but you'll have the chance. That could be very, very productive. Another closer, which should make Toby uh, so hot and happy, so hot. Um, Hansel Robles got added in 192 leagues, as high as 301. I'm not sure I would have gone that high on him, but I did throw some bids out on him, that's for sure, because he looks good. I know you talked about it before, the velocity looks better. Things are going good. Colomay has been kind of a mess, even though uh, I think it's Brandon Warren of the. He writes for the Twins. He mentioned that he's actually been okay over his last like four or five outings. But hey, I digress. And you got Rogers. Taylor Rogers has been a mess. This could be Robel stepping back into the closer situation and getting some. So, what do you think about this one?
1: Yeah, God, the the Minnesota Twins, a story of failure, huh? This year, I yeah. saw that not only are they bad, but they've had the easiest. Uh, opposition so far in uh, oh, wow. the season. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh man, that's, that's, that's rough. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, a story of futility with that bullpen, everybody giving up. I think Hansel's as good as any, any shot. I mean, he's, he's improved this year. Um, especially recently, he's been a lot better. A lot of his metrics have, over his last five outings, um, have improved fairly dramatically. Again, we're dealing with, with the small sample business uh, at this point in time, he hasn't been great this year though. Like honestly, you know, he's riding a one sixty seven Babbitt, a 64.1% strand rate. He's not giving up home runs. Although I do think one of the funniest things in baseball is that I think he's given up five earned run or he's given up six earned runs and four of them were given up by Taylor Rogers.
0: Oh,
1: no. um, when Hanzo when, uh, left him with runners on base. So, again, I think he probably gets the next shot, and if he can keep doing that, I think it's just one of these things where with so many of these roles, nobody's got the job solidified until they prove that they can be that guy. So if he, if he rolls off the next three or four without a hitch, then maybe he, he gets into that spot. But the Twins have kind of been all over the place. I think Colum a, uh has been pitching well, and so I, I could definitely see him getting back into the mix there uh, too. So again, with I think the hard such, the hard thing with clo- specking on closers and spending a lot on closers, and it could just be that I'm doing it wrong, but it's just that no, so few guys are getting in there, and it seems like they have a little bit of leash. You know, yep. it seems like you're hoping that in that next outing that they get that they do really well, and then for a couple more times in order for them to actually be in a spot where you can you can feel good when when it goes into the ninth inning, that they're going to be the ones that get there. So with Hansel, I think he's next, next guy up and hopefully he can take advantage of it. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. I think he's got the best chance to to try to take advantage of it, but yeah, I will see. There's a lot of moving parts and Baldelli likes to go in situational pitching. So it could be one of those, you'll see lefties and all of a sudden Taylor Rogers gets another shot or, there could be a lot of goofy things with ball dealing. That's, that's been proven time and time again. Uh, the question I'll pose to you, which was asked to me by a Twitter follower a couple days, I guess yesterday on Monday, and I told him Fulmer was my answer. If you had to pick one guy, would you rather have Fulmer or Robles? I'd rather have.
1: Um, I'd rather have. I'd rather, I have think I'd rather have Fulmer at this point. Yes, I'd at this point. During, during Fab, I would have rather had Robles, but now I think I'd rather have. Um, I'd rather have Fulmer in that yeah.
0: spot so yeah that was my my thinking because it seems like it's fulmer's job until he screws it up where robles like we just said still kind of has a couple more hands in the cookie jar that might make it a little more interesting from time to time uh let's go to the los angeles dodgers who are starting to get riddled with energy injuries and uh, uh i this is a guy that does not feel sorry I'm just sorry it happens but um matt Beatty was picked up on 171 leagues as high as 99 dollars and people that actually jumped in on him, it worked out even better. Unfortunately, Corey Seager goes down to the I.L. on Monday after Fab took place. So it just opened up another set of playing time. Beattie wasn't a guy I put anything out on because I just don't trust the Dodgers for playing time, period. And Lux is starting to play better in some other situations. But were you in on Beattie at all?
1: No, A little bit. Like conditional bids, maybe $10, $15, something like that. He wasn't a big target. I mean, I think when you look at um, – when you look at what the Dodgers are doing, I mean, they're all over the place, right? Like even, even um, uh, BD, like when you look at him, he didn't play on Friday against a righty, you know, doesn't play on Monday either. I think I only have the last six in front of me, but I think he only played like three out of the last five games before the fab window hit. They're adding poo holes. You got some other guys coming back from injury injury, like, McKinstry, we kind of knew, we now know that Bellinger is also probably coming back at some point, uh, you know, relatively soon. So I just thought that, like you mentioned, they're the Dodgers and there's just too many moving pieces there. And it's really hard, you know, plate appearances is is part of the game. And so making sure that you get quality ones, although, I mean, BD is is a guy who's good enough to play, I think. And he's shown that in in the majors with the Dodgers so far. So not super aggressive, definitely interested in having him if, if a couple of my other bids didn't work out, but you know, didn't end up getting him at all.
0: Yeah, he's he's like been good when playing, as you said. It's just you know pinch hit performance started started pinch hit day off start like he's just it's man it would be very very frustrating. In the end, if you just look at the total sample, he's hitting 321 with a home run and eighteen ribbies. I guess if if you're looking for the overall production standpoint, but it's very very tilting. when we, when we're talking about you want at bats, his are very very. Few and far between at times, so that's tricky. And you mentioned pool holes; they got Sitsugo. Um, I just don't understand what the Dodgers are doing, to tell you the truth. I really don't get it. Uh, the the ne- the next edition is another closer, and this is one that we've been talking about for quite some time. And now everyone, he's probably gone everywhere now. Uh, Tyler Rogers picked up in 165 leagues, as high as 178, as low as a dollar. He picked up three out of five saves, um, from from uh, Friday through Monday. McGee got the save on Tuesday night because Rogers was off. I'll let you have the floor in a second, but I'm pretty sure the way I look at it, it's like 50 50 or like 60 40. Rogers, like he'll get the main leverage, but McGee's still going to be there getting plenty of chances. So it's not like it's a, it's not like Fulmer where it's his show, but it's probably a little better than Hansel Robles, where there's only one other guy he's splitting time with. So I think it's a great move. You're going to get a lot of stuff. The one thing you won't get is strikeouts. They're not going to get strikeouts. So um, we've talked about him a lot. Do you have anything else to add on Rogers?
1: No, I mean I know you've been on, been telling people to pick him up for a little while now. Just one of those things, like you mentioned, he's not striking guys out, but it's can the other team string together a few ground balls, you know? Yeah. Uh, seeing eye ground balls, and that's that's not necessarily a bad way to go about it either. So, you know, if he's still available in your leagues, obviously pick him up quick. But uh, yeah, he went and he went for decent chunks of change yeah. and fab for sure.
0: Yeah, like uh, on Monday night, I was watching that game as he was just closing it out, and he wasn't striking guys out. He actually had one that should have been a called third strike, and they didn't give it to him. But he was giving up singles that were like literally seven hoppers to center field and they grounded in a double play it's for and they were down three so in order to like blow a save for him and anything's possible in baseball they're gonna have to get like seven hits together and it's it's just you don't see teams doing that every day so i i i kind of like seeing him back there i would love to see him strike guys out don't get me wrong but uh yeah. it, it is kind of nice to see all right we'll stick in san francisco and you know we talked about posies rejuvenated belts looked good but now he's hurt um, and Brandon Crawford, he's got close to ten home runs already this season. He got picked up in 158 leagues for as high as 112. Wouldn't have gone that high, folks. But I think he's a good addition for now. Ride him while he's healthy. Ride him while he's hot. Uh, he's swinging really, really good batting. Yeah, Another home a run couple, today. Yep. Even stealing a couple bases. Like it's ridiculous what he's doing. Um, in, in a world where we're looking for at bats and like some like the middle infield's getting depleted, everywhere's getting depleted. But um, I think Crawford's extremely viable. And I think that was a smart pickup for me. I think I grabbed him in a couple of weeks, like a week or two ago. Uh, what's your take on Crawford?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about him a little bit uh, last week as well. But, you know, he's been solid. Again, the name of the game at this point for so many players is plate appearances. And he's getting them when he's – as long as he's healthy. You know, the I don't think the home runs are sustainable necessarily right now. 26.5% home run per fly ball that's higher than he's ever had and more than double his, uh, career, um, average. He's actually selling out maybe a little bit. His contact rate is down, uh, pretty considerably 4%. Um, so, and then you're seeing the barrel rate go up. So it may be a little bit of, you know, exchanging some strikeout slash contact for, um, power might be why we're seeing what we're seeing, but, I don't see him as a guy who's going to be able to maintain that level of home run per fly ball. So, you know, again, ride him while he's hot, he's going to be getting plate appearances. He's adding that little bit of speed that we didn't necessarily anticipate, but he can, he can certainly contribute to 15 teamers, you know, in, in yeah, deeper time. for sure.
0: Yeah. Big time. Yeah. 15 teamers, like a middle infield guy. I think he's super viable because like I've been adding, I know I'm not the only one like Freddie Galvis is Jose Iglesias is like Crawford fits that mold. If not better kind of like he's right in that realm of the guys we're looking for in a 15-teamer. And the one thing I'll mention with Crawford, and I wish Mike Curlin would have stuck with what he was doing or someone else can do it, Crawford made a stance ad- adjustment. He opened his stance up, and mm. he worked on it over the spring. And it was like last one of the games last week, they were really breaking it down on how he opened things up to help him get his hips through more. Basically, he's getting old, and he <laughs> needs something to, to help speed things up on him. And I think that might be where the powers come back from. I agree. He's not a 25-home-run hitter. That's not what he is. At the same time, I've watched a ton of games since two thousand in that ballpark, and I've never seen the ball fly out of it like it is right now and this is and this is with the archways open, so you can't even use that as an excuse anymore like it is it's ridiculous watching some of the balls go out of that ballpark, so you never know I'll never say never when it comes to this kind of stuff, but I'm with you, I'd be shocked if he did, but man, if he even hits like fifteen homers, I know that's not a lot from where he's at now, that's a great year if you'd hold me that from the start of the year so We'll see what Crawford could do. He's already been banged up a couple times this year, and the Giants have tons of platoon options, like even Dubon's starting to hit. So he's not going to play every day, but he'll probably play five, five five-ish, maybe six times a week, which is huge right now. Uh, The National League Player of the Week, it helped he played seven games in Coors. Don't forget that. But uh, Josh Fuentes picked up in 157 leagues, as high as 136, as low as one. He's playing really well. I'm not going to say that, but it was Coors, and he gets Coors at the end of the week. So I see the appeal. Like, I grabbed him in some leagues for, like, six bucks, stuff like that. Some of these guys went from, like like I said, 157 was the high. He's a body that's playing every day, so I get the appeal. But I think people need to tone down Coors Field and non-Coors Field production.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's a warm body. I mean, they play, like you mentioned, three games, you know, against the the D-backs, I think, in Coors. So I think it's fine to add him for that, but... I mean, just from like a med like underlying metrics, if you believe in those at all, he's he's got awful. And you don't you don't necessarily need those metrics in course field. Again, you, you're more than welcome to stream him there. But you know, he doesn't walk. Uh, he does limit the strikeouts a little bit, but he doesn't hit the ball hard. Um, like he's got one barrel on the year and four home runs.
0: <laughs> His hard hit
1: rate is putrid. He's performing well above all of his expected metrics again scores all, always does that is just everything is, is horrible like it, it just sends a horrible message that Josh Quintus is doing well because in everything except for his strikeout rate he is well below average as a major leaguer but it just shows you sometimes it's more about timing than it is about skill.
0: Yep, he ran hot at the right time. Like I said, I added him for like 5 or 6 bucks. I didn't even start him on the first half of the week. I strictly got him four coors filled on the weekend. That's all I wanted him for. And I really will probably drop him in another move this weekend. I I, I don't I was shocked to see the aggressiveness on Juan uh, Josh Fuentes. And I'm also kind of shocked to see this one, but Rich Hill, the more I look at him, he's been pretty darn good. He's like sneaky good. Break picked out. up in a, picked up in 130 leagues. Don't understand the $265 max bid but he's coming off a three straight shutout outing. He's The last two of six innings or more struck out nine in his last time. It's his second time of nine or more K's in four starts. Like he's showing life. The last start was against the Yankees too, which is you got to at least sit back and go, Hmm, that's impressive. I'm still not like all in on Rich Hill, but again, with injuries galore, you got to give him a run. Don't you?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, Rich Hill go to Rich Hill, you know, yep. I mean his CSW, which is key for him because he throws that curve, you know, Gets a lot, of, a lot of called strikes, 32.7%, his highest since 2017. You look at the underlying metrics, I mean, they all look pretty good. The BABIP is low, but he's generally been able to, to maintain a, uh, a low BABIP because he's a fly ball guy. You know, he's fastball curve. Uh, strand rate seems reasonable, 18.2% K- minus walk rate, 10.5% swinging strike rate. As I mentioned, the CSW is really, really good. You know, he's not getting chased outside the zone, but he's in the zone a lot, and he's he's getting batters started off on the right foot with the first pitch strike. So and in the zone, he's he's fine. He's right around league average. So you're looking at a slightly above league average pitcher to above league average pitcher, and he plays in a good part with the rays. You know they're gonna kind of maximize his value and use him in smart ways. It's remarkable, honestly. Like I had kind of given him up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't been a twenty you. a twenty-team dynasty league and I haven't even been starting him because it feels like all his good games have come against like the Yankees and uh you know like just I, I should look at his game log and just make sure that I'm not making things up but I feel like he got blown up early on by some uh yeah so his, his good games have come against the Yankees the A's the Astros, he hasn't given up an earned run in those 15 and two-thirds innings. All,
0: all the games he'd probably set him for anyways. He's just like, I, I, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did it
1: because he got blown up against the Royals, against yep. Texas, and against uh, the Marlins to start off the year. But it just goes to show you. I mean, just goes to show you that's what's so difficult about this game is uh-huh. you try to play those matchups, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. And it just – you know, it's like yesterday with Garrett Cole, you know, you're like Garrett Cole's got the Rangers. We are all set. And who's the team that he's struggled against the most. It's now the Rangers. It's just, it's interesting how the matchups work. Right. And you just got to hope over the course of a long season, you're making the right choices um, and you end up out in the positive when it comes to that. But that's always the danger of you know sitting guys who are above, above league averages. They can, they can be good, you know, in a lot of different situations.
0: Yeah, yeah. like you said, some people drafted him late in drafts, some didn't, but he's at least got the pedigree where you're like, okay, we know what he can do. Like, we know what his ceiling is. Even though I'm with you, I kind of thought we were past that type thing. And I also thought, like, the Rays would do Rays things with him. So, like, okay, we're going to let you go, like, three or four and, you know, do the the piggybacking thing with him. But, you know, so far, so good. So we'll we'll see how that one plays out. But uh, let's go to the next one here. And this one's interesting because Odubel Herrera, he was kind of brought up in fab discussions about week two or three as a potential guy. And then it kind of fell apart, but the Phillies are riddled with injuries as well. And he got picked up in 123 leagues. He had two more hits tonight to extend his hitting streak to seven games. He's hit safely in 11 of his last 12 games. He has been like eerily productive with some power. He's still on a base. Um, he's, he's kind of somewhat resembling the Odubel of all he's hitting six tonight. So he's not like hitting at the bottom of the order either. It's really weird. And I like in 15 team leagues, Toby, the outfield cover is so barren. Like mm. Odabel is very, very alive in that league. I don't know if I would again one of us spent over a hundred bucks on him, but this is a guy like, you know, 12, 13 bucks, whatever. I'm like, okay, I get it. That makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually picked him up in a couple of places, but just like $3 bids, you know, two $3 bids uh, as outfield outfield depth or because I have an outfielder was injured or something of that nature. So yeah, I mean, again, he's a warm body. He's playing pretty much every single day, especially with some of the struggles that the Phillies are having in terms of keeping guys healthy. So, I mean, he's fine. He looks like the same guy he was, you know, after after a long break. You know, the strikeout rate is below league average. The walk rate's actually decent. He's actually got his, his best career O-swing thus far, so chase rate. Contact rate is right about where it normally is. Hard hit rate is right about where it normally is. Although recognizing that the lead context has changed around that, you know, three barrels, six percent barrel percentage, you know. So the so the Statcast metrics have never been really good for him. Uh, they're not really good, but again, he's playing virtually every day, and a guy who in the past has gone, you know has hit 22 home runs and stolen as many as 25 bases. Although that was long ago. I don't think he's going to do that. Maybe he can get you, get you like 15, 10 or something like that. If he's able to get every day at bats and you know, and this year that could be, that could be super helpful.
0: Yeah. I, I definitely see viability with him. Like I said earlier in like week two or three, when he was kind of getting whispered as a fab ad, I'm like, nah, there's too much going on there in Philly, but now it's like a, he's producing and B they need him so badly. So, uh, yeah, he, he's very, very viable and gets a strong pickup if he's available for you still. Even in twelve team leagues, I'd look at your situation because he's at least playing like every day. And he's gonna be and it is a good offense still, even though it's banged up, it's still a very good offense. So I'd uh, I'd roll with that one if you can. Uh, the next one is is a very intriguing one. I picked this guy up, Nico Goodrum, in the last couple of weeks in a lot of places because I, I saw what he was doing when I was playing DFS. And it's the typical Nico Goodrum that we used to love, Toby. He's picked up in 117 leagues since the month, uh, since May 1st, the month of May. He's hitting 277. He's striking out almost 37% of the time. That's normal, but he's also walking almost 16% of the time. So a 404 OBP, which is very, very nice. Only one homer, but six stolen bases plus two caught stealings. So eight attempts in the month of May alone. So if you're looking for steals, this is a great source. If you're looking for multi position eligibility, he's a great source. Um, he's not going to light the world on fire, but man, a guy that can run like this, this is sneaky good. And Detroit's going to let him run. So I think it's a good pickup.
1: Yeah. I mean, with Goodrum, he's, he's one of those kind of typical fire and ice guys. Like he will be really, really hot. Like he is right now. Um, Or at least he was like last week. I think I haven't, I haven't looked at how he's doing like super recently, but um, yeah, I mean, he's just, He's up and down, super volatile profile, a lot of variance. Uh, he chases on like everything outside the zone, so yeah. I mean, you just you just kind of ride it. I wouldn't. He's not. He's not a guy that I want to have necessarily on my team for a really long time. But he's certainly a nice little fill-in because he can get hot like he has and kind of um, take off from there. So yeah. And then he's got the the multi-position eligibility. Um, or at least dual position eligibility as well, which is a really nice uh, benefit um, for him to have. And he may even add uh, outfield uh, Mm -hmm. eventually. He's got those three games in outfield. So again, you know, not somebody that I think I'm relying on, but if you need speed and you're looking to just kind of catch lightning in a bottle, he's certainly a guy that can, that can kind of pull that off.
0: And in OBP formats, like I said, 404 OBP, I was grabbing him, I think I have him in Tout Wars. And in, or no, I didn't get him in Tout Wars. I got him in other places, though, for OBP formats. Big fan of that situation. So, um, yeah, like that quite a bit. Uh, a couple other guys that were added, just get your quick thoughts. Like Harrison Bader, like we talked a little bit about him last week. Everybody wanted Tyler O'Neill. Then Bader took over, and Bader's pretty much playing over O'Neill now regularly. That was that was my big concern with O'Neill to begin with is Bader's got the glove, and this, he's actually producing with the wheels. Uh, Jonathan Daza, another guy coming off a big Coors week. He's got Coors at the end of the week. Uh, we talked to William Contreras last week. Um, what about those bats? Anything stand out for you there?
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thing I liked about Daza, I had him higher up in my, terms of my hitter conditionals. I did not get him, um, is that he? he's playing every day. You know, if you look at, um, I don't know how many games in a row he's played now, but he had, had played the last six games when I was looking over the weekend. So he's in there, and he's a righty, and so he's not going to be subject to the platoon um, situation and – yeah, so he's fine. It's kind of funny, actually. Roster resource has him on the bench,
0: but he's, <laughs> and he but starts he's like every day. <laughs> all,
1: he's played like every game in the last little bit. So, I mean, I think it's kind of the similar thing with Connor Joe as well. Yeah, I know went in a lot of leagues, you know, in the deeper leagues, maybe not the shallower leagues. So he's not on this list, but just guys that you see those three games in in uh, in cores, and you want to plug them in for that, and think leave them on the bench if you can um, elsewhere. So, yeah, that's kind of that's how I, I feel about those three guys. We did talk about Bader last week. Yeah. You know, obviously Vince Velasquez, um, you know, I've been a believer for a long time. I have him a lot in a lot of uh, my BCs. Like I don't even know how many, like 10 out of 15, probably um, I have Vinny B there, you know, some good things going on with him, but the walk rate uh, scares the Jesus out of me. He's not getting chases on pitches outside the zone walk rates at 15%, um, you know, and so he's ri- He's relying on that two thirty one Babbitt at nine, 93% strand rate, you know? And so when that, when that ish hits the fan, like it's, it, I don't think it's going to be pretty, but you know, in the meantime, uh, he could, he could, you know, help you out a little bit because he does have like some of the peripheral metrics that we talk about, like, his swinging strike rate is certainly uh, above league average. He can be effective inside the zone. And so a good guy to have on your team and also just to monitor, kind of see what he's doing with his pitch mix. I think that's always something that's important um, for him. So those are kind of my general thoughts on, on those other kind of some of the bigger names that, that also win.
0: Yeah, I grabbed Vinny V as well in a few places. And the funny thing is I didn't start him this week because Miami likes to get to him quite a bit. And I'm waiting oh, for that blow up. Destroy him. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, was I'm just gonna, like
1: yeah. yeah.
0: I'm just gonna watch this one and Jazz Chisholm's back. I'm hoping Jazz goes deep yeah. like he did on Tuesday. And then we'll plug Vinny in next week and we'll just kind of go from there. So but you mentioned the fifteen percent walk rate. That's what he does. Like he's so tilting. He'll have such great outings, he you know, like walks four guys gives a home run. You're just like, oh. There it went. Okay, that's Vinny V. That's the Vinny V experience, everybody. But uh, like the stuff is very, very good when he's on. But when he's on is a question at times. Um, one other guy I wanted to ask you about here because with the D-backs injuries and now Carson Kelly being out for quite some time on the I.L., Varsho. we might finally get the Dalton Varsho show. He caught on uh, the 15th a couple days ago. He started in the outfield, played center field, right field, and caught on the 14th. Um, he's been playing outfield a lot, but he might actually start moving to catcher here pretty soon. So every day at-bats, potentially, for this prospect that could hit in the minors. Hasn't really shown it in the bigs. Is he a guy, if he's still available out there? We know we have talked to William Contreras. We talked about a bunch of catchers. Is he a guy you'd look to add?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, if you, if you need some some catcher help, I, I'm going to call him Darth Darth Varsho. Darth Varsho. From, from, from now on, I don't know why. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's not playing every day. He's played three of the last six games. You know, he is yet to hit. I mean, this is one of my my biggest regrets god i have so many dcs where draft champions leagues where i have varsho i have a combination of varsho Leodi taveras and um jimenez and it's just like you know it goes back to all we always say draft good players you know and then you get caught up in in maybe it's projections or or other things but with varsho you know he um Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's fine. If I, if I had a slot open for catcher, I think he's a great play while, uh, Kelly is out just because he can contribute some of those things that, that maybe a lot of catchers can't. And so I definitely think that he's worth a pickup there, especially in deeper leagues and your two catcher leagues, you know, obviously in one catcher, one, one catcher leagues, I don't think you have to worry about him um, too much, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's fine. I wouldn't expect the world from him. I would just expect uh, hope for mediocrity with a couple of stolen bases.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you there. Um, Let's get to some listener questions. We've got our buddy Rinaldi in the chats where you get to go first, my friend, as you are joining us in here. And I'll kind of read you what he's got going here, Toby. We're going to kick it off as can you guys discuss the sustainability, how much regression, we should expect from Tony Di Sclafani. Are there legitimate changes that's helped him reach a new level, or is this all smoke and mirrors? The velo is the same. The mix is almost the same. The ground ball percentage is much higher, but that's coming from line drives, which we know isn't the most sustainable change. The one thing I will say is if you look at his pitch mix, he's basically dropped about 15% off the fastball and added that to a sinker, which might help with the ground ball percentage. Just going to throw that one out there because the slider is about the same but the sinker is about um it jumped. I was just looking at it. The sinker jumped to um 21% usage compared it was 18 before, but the four forcing dropped about six percent. So it kind of just flip-flopped uh that's that fastball usage to a sinker and upped his curveball just a, a tick, not a lot. But uh it's just a heavy slider approach, just the giants doing giants things, heavy slider up the sinker just a little bit. That's what I see, but uh are you seeing anything when you look at the numbers, Toby, that might, I think it's sustainable for one to answer that question, but um, maybe not like a two, four ERA guy, but definitely like a low three. He's like a very, very good pitcher. Sustainable.
1: Yeah. I, I think if the jury's still out for me. I mean, if you think about, um, if you think about some of the pieces, I mean, the good is he's got 11.1% swinging strike rate. That's the highest swinging strike rate he's had in any season. Again, it's early on in the season. You know, it may be that 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 kind of falls uh, closer to um, his career average. It's probably likely that he does. He's actually dropped a mile per hour in VLO. So that's a little bit interesting there. I think he's being helped out a ton. Uh, his BABIP heading into today was 211. So he's being helped a lot out a lot there. He's also being helped out with his strand rate, which is 85 percent um, and a career low home run per nine at 0.78. So I would anticipate that there's going to be some pretty decent regression coming his way over the course of, you know, the season. But at the same time, like you mentioned, Bubba, there's regression there. But the question is, what is he going to rest to, right? He owns what he's been able to do so far. And so I think, you know, projections have him at like a low fours ERA for the rest of the season. So if he does that for the rest of the season, you know, you're looking at a guy who, um, who like you mentioned, Bubba, is in the, is in the threes with his ERA, you know, decent whip. If he continues not to walk guys again, I think it might be a little bit lower than it, than it should be. Um, he is in the d- the zone a, a decent amount and he's, he's, um, you know, starting guys out with first pitch strikes at a higher rate than he has uh, ever before in his career, but he doesn't generate a ton of chase. So I think overall, like you're probably looking at, you know, like, like rest of the season, you know, low fours, ERA, one, two, five whip, you know, slightly less than a strikeout per nine, and again, you know, pitching in the park that he does, and on the team that he does, where they've just been really effective at getting pitchers to to hit their peak. I think he's he's fine to have moving forward. I don't think he's going to be extraordinary. I think this is probably the best of what we'll see from from Tony Disco the rest of the season. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of my
0: general my general thoughts on it. Yeah. If he can keep the sinker ball working, the ground balls should be there. Maybe not the 54%, but I think that's the key. If, as long as the sinker's doing its thing, we know what happens if the sinker flattens out. Not good for anybody involved. So that that's the going to be the big key for him. Execute the slider, keep the sinker low in the zone, and he, he's going to be good. But I wouldn't be shocked if he has one of those outings where it's like four home runs, and it's just dr- dreadful. We've seen that from Disco in the past. Wouldn't be shocked if we saw that again. So that's definitely... A possibility, but uh, a good uh, SP three for the Giants, and probably a good SP four or five in your rotation because you didn't draft them, or if you did, he was free. So definitely something to uh, to comment uh, to keep in mind there. Let's get to these listener questions here. We got. Let me see. I have do do do. Okay. Um, Dave Petrosillo he asked I need encouragement since the last week has been a nightmare with injuries, slumps, and pitcher blowups. Now nah, I'm good. I'll just keep grinding and stick with the process. That was a statement, not a question. Okay, yes, we're all there, Dave. We're all starting to stay positive. It's all, uh, all grinding. quite the grind, my friend, quite the grind. So just keep your head down and enjoy. Uh, let's go to the next question here. Our buddy Rand Simon, 12-team mixed 5x5 five five roto. I have Lamette and Weathers. Thoughts on holding or dropping? Thanks. I, I wouldn't have either, especially in a 12-team. But I'm, yeah. I'm very, I'm very anti lamette to begin with. But uh, I would hope you'd have better options in your five by five roto than Lamette and Weathers. But that's me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you there, uh, Bubba. I think um, you know neither of them is really showing that they're capable of throwing enough innings to even get you a win, and they're not necessarily they haven't really been that effective in the in the bullpen. Um, or not that they haven't been that effective in the bullpen, but it's not like they're in like high leverage situations, you no. know, or, and they haven't been able to pitch enough to get, yeah, to get you those wins. So I just think that they're kind of in a little bit of no man's land there. And especially in a 12, I think there are much better options. They're similar players like, you know, TJ Anton may be available in your 12, no. in a 12. Um, or a similar player like like that that I'd rather have
0: than, than those guys. Yeah, point. one t- one time you probably had Patino out there or a McClanahan or some young arm that you could play with. Uh, go look at Bubik. I'd I'd rather roll the dice with Bubik going six plus for the Royals. I know it's not sexy by any means, but I'd rather do that. Or even um the kid I believe is Davidson that came up for the Braves today. Keep an eye on him. He looks he looked really good in his first two AAA starts, and with um, Yanoah punching a wall. Being out for some time. Oh, Davidson might God. get Davidson might get some shots. And I'd rather give that a shot than Lamette and Weathers personally. So oh yeah. man. What are man. they gonna learn? What are these guys gonna learn, Toby? If you're gonna hit <sighs> anything, which is dumb to begin with, don't hit them with your pitching hand. Like, dude,
1: you're breaking out. You're mm-hmm. breaking out.
0: And now you're literally you breaking out. A shot,
1: and it's just oh. <sighs> man brutal uh apology or my yeah i'm sorry to those those owners out there who have who who had you know because it was a great pickup it was a great pickup um so yeah
0: yeah that's a brutal one it's like it's one thing when a guy runs out of ground ball and pulls his hammy or does other things the dude literally was healthy went to the dugout and injured himself like that's just uh, struggling, but we move on. We're staying positive, Toby. We are staying positive. It is a quarter mark of the season. We are staying um,
1: positive, Boba. There's a lot yes. of good things happening in baseball Lots right now. Ones. Yep,
0: yeah, including uh, if anybody has MLB Network, I guarantee you they're checking in on the Detroit Seattle game because Seattle's trying to go for another just disaster on their wow. hands. Another right. one. It's like it's a weekly occurrence, Toby.
1: It's they're like, <laughs> hey, can, can we get three no hitters? The thing I lo- really love about this no hitter, the, actually, the fascinating thing about most of them. I have a bunch of Rodon on my teams. I have a bunch of Means on my teams. And I have a bunch of Turnbull on my teams. So it's meant to be. And still, remarkably, my pitching ratios are not good. <laughs>
0: it's because we have Toledo and Castillo. We'll yeah. get to that, though, here in a second. Um, but yeah, the, the Mariners, baby. Uh, Matt Olson at MOLS10 asks What's the newest source of data that you're incorporating in your analysis this season? It's a good question. Mm, it's a great question.
1: You know, I thought about this one for a little while, and I wouldn't say that there's any new particular data that I'm integrating more seriously into my analysis. But I do think that the most valuable thing is because the analysis of skills is ubiquitous. Like it's everywhere, right? Like everybody, like a week doesn't go by where we're notified of every single guy who has had a decent game. Right, who may who could be like popping out or whatever. It's really being able to monitor the news and digest the news and stay on top of the news and figuring out. And I think this is a place where I struggle figuring out what are your trusted sources for of information for, for that type of things because so much of so many situations are so murky that if you can get that little nugget from the beat writer, um, it, it's it's great. Um, and then Rob, Rob actually brought up a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, Sarah's stuff plus and command plus. I have been tracking that as well. There's, I mean, Eno's doing phenomenal stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know what his name is. I think his name is max something. He's at choice field choice. Underscore oh, the Fielder guy that's helping
0: him. The guy that's helping him make these. Yeah. Max. Bray or great. Yeah. I know yeah. That.
1: Something like that. Like they're putting out really good stuff. Like McClanahan, they put out stuff yeah. that was essentially saying that after 75 pitches,
0: they already you knew can get
1: a sense yeah. of how somebody's stuff plus works out right and I think yeah. that that's and they're always refining it which I just love so yeah that yeah. is a, a great shout out there yeah. um, you know that's what I would say and I but I really do think that news piece and and, and knowing those trusted sources of news and being able to find those right nuggets of info that can give you a leg up on the competition because everybody is there now with the mm-hmm. stat cast metrics and and underlying metrics. Like everybody does that now, you know, at least in the most competitive leagues. And so it's really hard to gain an advantage there. So I think it is like kind of that news, but I agree like Eno's doing incredible stuff mm-hmm. and, and and everybody who's working on the stuff plus and command plus, I really do enjoy enjoy that stuff. And I think part of it is also figuring out like what is the application of that to fantasy you know right. what does that mean from a fantasy baseball perspective because it isn't quantifiable like some stuff where you're like oh I see this guy's swinging strike rate surging so I he should get more strikeouts yep. with stuff plus it tells you like this guy's stuff is really good but you don't know what where that's going to impact on the on the kind of landscape so yeah anyways I'll stop talking now but that was a great shout out no,
0: that's that's a very good one there's a lot of good ones and I try my best when there's new stuff out to have them on bench with but so like, like at least people can Hear it from the source, and like if you like it, you like it. If you don't, um, one I'm I'm keeping an eye on and seeing how it rolls. As Carlos Marcano makes specs for um, pitcher list, go check that out. It's more of a bats thing, but does stuff for pitching. Um, I've had um, oh man, the aces. I, I'm totally skipping on names. I so so oh, sorry. Aaron Sauceda. Aaron I had him on for aces, and he's developed a hitting one as well. That was very very informative. And he used to work a lot with Eno, and they still kind of do. But he's um, at the athletic now, right? Yeah, he's at the athletic and he comes out with an article like almost weekly or biweekly using his metrics to kind of identify pitchers and hitters going forward. So that's a really good one. Um, Basically, the gist of what I'm trying to say is I can be lazy at times or I'm actually busy with other stuff. So I love when people give me content I can just read and kind of gives me the information for me because there's so many good metrics out there that you can take so many. Whatever works for you is the best answer I'm going to give you. But like CSW is still amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's such a, a great one. That's been out for a couple of years. So, yeah, there's a ton of good ones. I think the Command Plus, Stuff Plus is one of the, the leaders in the clubhouse for the newer things, mm. but there's so many things. And sometimes sometimes simple is good. Like do what works for you. Don't try to go too far with all the crazy new stuff because you might just drown and forget about the basics of, hey, sometimes K-Walk minus goes a long ways, like the little things. So um, go along that route too. Yeah. Right. And one
1: thing, one thing also is like, is like velocity is, is it like velocity is that you look at all the guys that are breaking out this year, the vast majority of them have significant VLO bumps, you know, like, I mean, name a guy who's doing really well this year that wasn't anticipated and he probably had a VLO bump and these happen in season. Like a good example is Ross Stripling. Ross Stripling's VLO has been up the last couple of games and his, his underlying metrics have improved dramatically over that period of time. And so, you know, and he's still available in some places. And so it's kind of like, you know, if you didn't get him last week, I had him on a lot of my list, but not at the top. And I ended up getting some of them, but like, those are the types of things that like, you know, like Bubba said, don't forget the basics, like look for those velo changes because you're looking for a reason why somebody has gotten better. Because guys can be good because they just face the Marlins or because they just know hit the Mariners or whatever, but that doesn't actually tell you whether they're they've made a change that could be sustainable or not. So,
0: yeah. And the last the last major resource, and this is kind of a tongue in cheek, but deserves its own love because it's awesome. It's not really a metric per se, but just follow the Bloom Boards. Like he's doing a mid season now, and it just keeps you kind of updated on the ever changing aspects of certain things. It involves velocity sometimes, and other things that are just like, huh. Didn't think of that one. Thank you, Ryan. So uh, something else to look at there. Just be on Twitter. There's so much good stuff out there. Like, there's a lot of bad stuff on Twitter. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of great content out there. Um, Little Book of Calm, he asks, my question this week is about league depth. What is the best way to reference my home league depth when asking for advice? Example, I'm in two 12-team leagues with vastly different waiver wire depths. In one league, there, is seven, there are seven hitters on the wire over 50% owned and 33, 33 over 20%. In the other league, there are only five hitters over 20% owned. Both are 12 teamers. For context, what does the ownership percentage look like at the top of the wire in 12 and 15 team NFBC leagues? I'd say flat out your second 15 league resembles a 15 team league wire. Pretty much. <laughs> maybe, maybe worse, but um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. You're in a really um, challenging league, I'd say, that second one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, um,
0: probably a lot of IL spots is my guess.
1: Yeah. The, um, the, I think the question was framed around like what, what, it when I'm asking for help or when yeah. I'm asking for info, what do I say? It's really hard because I think, I think if you just say the things that are key for people to know is the number of teams, you know, what is it five by five Roto? You know, what yeah. are the categories if they're not traditional categories? Cause that have a, can have a dramatic impact on, um, you know, on player valuation. Sometimes it's impossible. Like sometimes people are like, I have an 11 by 11 league. Like who do, yeah. would I rather have? And it's just like, I don't know, man, because,
0: yeah, you're in a because sp- there's so in many.
1: Yeah, you just, it's just too much to be able to, to, in your head, calculate like what the value difference might be. So I think number of teams, you know, the type of league, the style of league, you know, the settings there. And they're just saying whether it's deep benches or not deep benches. Because I think the challenge is, is like, there may be people out there who will do this in their analysis. But for me, like when somebody asks me a question like that, you know, I, I get my best shot, right? With whatever I've looked at or my research. Sometimes I don't respond to people and it's not because I don't uh, value them reaching out or something like that. But it's because like, it actually, I want to spend the time to figure out like, what is the best thing to recommend to them? Like, and if I don't have the time to go and view the different player p- pages, it's impossible. But like, So just say that and say deep or shallow because we're not looking at it like, oh, you have an eight-person bench versus a seven-person bench, and so that's different. Or you know, you have a 15-player bench versus a 13. Like we're not smart enough to figure out what the difference is going to be unless we use an auction calculator to figure it out. So just give that general like 12 teams, five by five roto, traditional roto, shallower benches, whose and that's helpful because then I can say, like, oh, well, there is probably outfielders out there. If you are in a ten-team league, you know, and, and you are wondering if you should drop an outfielder or a relief pitcher who has saves or something like that, so that that I think is what is most helpful to know the context.
0: Yeah, the context as best you can, as Toby said, and in reality, we're not going to know everything ever. It's just every league's Like he he makes a great point. Every league is so different in full aspects. Like I write the outfield waiver wire. We use Yahoo fifty percent or less rostered. And I have so many people in different chat groups where the article gets posted. Go, this guy is not even out for eligibility in my league. I'm like, I can't help you. Like, this is what we go off of, and everything's so different. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So, it's, it's, a, it's an ever evolving landscape, which is fun because the game's getting catered to what your league likes. But the simplicity of just answering a question doesn't really exist anymore. Is basically what it comes down to. Um, our buddy, Mister Buxton, Dan the Goat at Dan McEwen says, my question is a bit outside the box this week. My top two starters are Lucas Gilito and Luis Castillo. How do I go back in time and stop myself from ever being born? Well, <laughs> we have a support group that meets every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, if you're curious. <laughs> so, yeah, guess, fan club. yeah, we're we're both there. Should we call it the the, the Casito fan club? The Gio, Gio Leo? <laughs> yeah, Gio, Gio Gio Leo. Leo. Gio yeah,
1: Gio Leo. Gio <laughs> Gio Leo. Um, yeah. And it's a rough it's a rough that's a rough start. I also have like Giolito and Nola, you know, yeah, in a couple spots. There. Like yep. I have a lot of so. Giolito
0: bottom line, and that's yeah, you know, I still game. I still believe like um I still believe there's been some great content written about uh Giolito. Um Mike Mikeyetto, uh picture list, wrote a great thing. It's a lot some of it's just about his arm slot, and it makes sense because the day he got blown up in Boston he was talking on some different interviews and he believes he was tipping pitches, which means his arms. So he's been trying to fix his mechanics ever since then. And that can really, and that's why when you look at it, you read a comments or column, he's got the different release points on his pitcher on his pitches. And you can tell he's in a, like he's in between spots basically right now. So not saying that's the only thing to fix. Cause there's awfully the velocities down, which is super concerning to me, but uh, I still think there's hope with him compared to like, Castillo was. I loved what we saw on Tuesday night with eleven strikeouts. There's still a lot of like, oh no, like we got a long ways to go, buddy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. We
1: really do. And it's hard to it's hard to maintain that, you know. Yep. um, That that long term focus.
0: But it's like I told some people that asked, like, are you like I said I tweeted it, and one of my most liked tweets I've had in a while is I'm using Castillo in a two pitch start this week. And some people were like, well, why are you doing that? And I said, the way I look at it, guys, he's already buried my ratios to a point that it's like. Impossible, not impossible, almost impossible to bring them back to any semblance of greatness, but I could potentially get one or two wins and a lot of strikeouts. So let's go help some other categories out. That's my best case scenario right now compared to some other options on my bench. Might be the wrong philosophy a quarter of the way into the season, but that's where I'm at with him right about now because he has destroyed everything. The way it can only go up from here, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, you got to always put your best pitchers out there and like, We are super mo- moved and, and we take the recency bias, we hold it strong, right? But when you look at like when you look at things, you got to figure out who gives you the best chance. Like Castillo could very easily, I mean he's got Milwaukee at the end of the week. He could very easily put together an eight inning start with 12 strikeouts, you know four hits and one walk, no right. earned runs. And then he just gave you an absolutely awesome week, right? Yep. Where he's got you plus, and you know, he's got you plus whip, plus ERA, ton of strikeouts. strikeouts and <laughs> win. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I mean, I yeah, just, those are that, that's what he's capable of doing. We've seen it before. And just, just the fact that he's got us all these th- bad things going for him, like, you know, something similar happened to him in 2018. And we forget because, he was great in the second half and he was great in twenty, you know, uh, nineteen and we and twenty twenty. And so we just gotta hope that he gets back to that point. And today was certainly a good step in that direction, I think.
0: Yeah, with Castillo and Gilito, I keep telling myself that they still are very, very good pitchers. They might not be the elite pitchers we expected them to be this year, but they're still very, very good. That most options you added on the waiver wire or on your bench probably aren't better than them. And In the grand scheme of things, we remember back to like previous seasons where guys like Cole and other great pitchers started out horrible, and then they put two thirds of a season together, and you basically forgot that the first third of the season even happened. Like in the end, Castillo's ERA is still going to be dreadful no matter what he does the rest of the way. It's going to be tough, but he can get you wins and get you a boatload of K's and like help you so many other places going forward. Like that's all we can do now is go forward. Like we we can sit here and you know cry about the past, but. They ain't nothing we can do about that. That's locked into our, our standings. So I'm just I'm hoping we see progression, and today was a good sign of it. And also, uh, Turnbull is through seven, no hit innings at like 84 pitches. So we are moving right along in Seattle, folks. <laughs> good old Seattle. Thankfully, I have
1: I have Turnbull.
0: Yeah, the bull, the bull. Um, Andrew Matney asks, <laughs> doesn't really ask so much, but says it. Why do the Mets hate me? I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Andrew's a good buddy of mine. We share a main event team. Um, yeah, the the Mets. What happens to the Mets is always totally inexplicable. Like this week, it was just like the cascade. You know, it was like Comforto goes down, and then McNeil,
0: McNeil. goes down, and then Pilar gets in the face. Did you see the the interview today? Like the, with the, he sat in front of a camera and like a press conference, so you could see Uh-oh. all the bruises and everything. Oh. My, I've seen boxers in a 12 round seen, fight I that seen look better. Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. If you don't like, if like, if you don't like UFC or something, don't watch that. Yeah. The fact that they had to literally put on the app. So, most of the time, I just have like the MLB app on my phone out while I'm doing something, and it said um, game delayed, basically cleanup. So I'm kind of seeing what they're doing. Went to Twitter. They stopped the game to clean up blood around home plate. That's what they were doing. I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's not good. So yeah, he's a uh, sucks. He was playing good too, playing really good. Yeah. So, but the Mets also
1: made some foolish decisions too, like signing no, James McAn.
0: Not the Mets. <laughs> like I didn't understand that
1: they signed him after like a they could career have year, a shortened career year, like. That was just inexplicable to me. I mean, I also didn't agree with the Taiwan Walker signing, and he's been—he's um, been already
0: hurt. He he left hurt too in his last. I three. know, but they continued
1: to pitch him. They knew he was hurt heading into it's that the start. Mets. Like it's the Mets, like what they—they they did it with the
0: Grom. He, he, they get two more starts after the first blip. Now he goes on the island, and he's supposed to start Saturday. It's it's so hard, and um, now Guard's rehabbing. We'll see how, but he's got a setback now. Oh, did he? That's what I saw. Maybe I read maybe I read it wrong, but. It's just something. It's always something. I, I feel sorry for you. Andrew. I really do, unfortunately. Jets are going to Jets. Mets are going to Mets. Must be a New York thing. I don't know. But uh, pretty rough deal there. A right, couple more questions the, here. He Phony fan. Front Office 99. Get that a baby, Andrew. You're in, you're, you're in the right team. And, uh, Phony Front Office 99 says, what are your thoughts on Kluber, Tyon, and Singer rest of season?
1: Uh, Kluber, Tyon, and Singer. Um, let's let's check it out. Um, so with Kluber, I know like he started off slow and he had been better. I don't I didn't see what he did in his last
0: outing. Uh, uh, hit, hit got hit hit around a little bit. He Got hit around a little bit. He starts again on Wednesday in Texas. He yeah, didn't get hit around a ton, but he's just he's not. Yeah, he's not the same Kluber for me.
1: Yeah, he's slightly. I mean, there's there's some really positive things like. 13.4% swinging strike rate, um, really nice O swing, you know, so a lot of things should be good. It's looking like kind of Kluber of, of old a little bit, but, um, some of the K and, and walk metrics are not good. Like he's got a 12.4% came on his walk. Um, Babip is BABIP and strand rate seem relatively reasonable. Um, you know, I think he's due some positive regression in that walk rate. I don't I, I don't see um, I don't see that really holding up to snuff. Um, let's see what his CSW is. Um, his CSW is twenty nine point six, so slightly below league average. Yeah, it's just kind of meh, you know, and especially in that division, I think it's really tough. Um Tyone, I haven't really been into at all. Yeah,
0: got hit around again today by Texas.
1: Yeah, so, but I mean, like thirteen point five percent swinging strike rate, twenty five percent K minus walk. You know what are the issues? The issues are home run issues. Yeah, yeah. but there's there's going to be a regression there. So actually, I think looking under the hood at, at Tyone, he actually looks. I'd rather really good. have him in Kluber. He, yeah, he is giving up an extremely high barrel rate, twelve point five percent. So it's not like he's getting unlucky, but just over the course of a season, I think that'll kind of even itself out and, and it won't be 2.16. So even if it gets down to, you know, what he's got projected for like about a one five or something like that, I think he should do decently well just because he's not walking guys and he's actually, the strikeout metrics actually look um, pretty strong. So uh, I don't mind, I don't mind Tyone on at all. And the last one was uh, Brady, Brady Singer. Singer. You know, I, Who I, I don't have him anywhere. Under and, uh, the
0: hood is actually interesting with him.
1: Yeah, uh yeah. I'm not digging what I'm seeing under the hood. You know, low swing strike rate, really bad first pitch strike rate, not a good chase rate. You know, in the zone he's been better than last year, but he's still about league average. So the walk rate should be high. The strikeout rate should be low unless he's got a really high CSW 30.9. So he's just getting, he's just getting a lot of called strikes. So that actually seems where he's at actually seems kind of reasonable, like just from both a walk and a strikeout perspective. So this kind of seems like who he probably is. So with looking at all of that, I mean, I'd say probably Tyone Kluber Singer maybe, you know, would be yeah.
0: kind of the Singer that Singer, like. Singer limits that quality of contact though like limits it big time compared to those other two. So I, I, yeah. that that stands out to me as something I like quite a bit, but maybe that's something I look at more than uh, I, I should, but he, he, the barrels, the hard contact, much, much lower. And I, if, he, if you want to give it more contact, which he's probably going to do, but keep it in the ballpark, I'm all game. So um, uh, I, that's where I stand on Singer. That's why I kind of like him. I'd probably go tie on Singer Kluber. Like I just have nothing. I don't want Kluber, but um. I'd say all these guys are pretty much streaming guys. I'm not sure you're gonna lock them in every week. Depending, it's more of a matchup based situation with the three. I'd say that much for sure. But um, yeah, it's. It, I think Singer's interesting. He's had a couple rough ones, but like one of his roughest ones, he got Angel Hernandez to death, and he got tossed. Um, it, it was bad. The coach got tossed. He got tossed. Um, he basically told Angel Hernandez he's horrible for the game. It was. I, I wanted to give him a trophy for his for his argument. It was great. But um, I, I think he's interesting, and he's, he's still that prospect pedigree is there. He's 24 years old, so I don't know. I guess I'm just having hope for Singer still, but uh, we'll wait and see on that one. Uh, the next question we have here, I believe it's from Phony Front Office as well. He says, um, he also asked, and uh, Rinaldi asked as well, any thoughts on Lourdes Guriel? Because he's been ultra tilting right now. Yeah, let's see. Let's take a look like at it. Our... Barrel rates down, hard hit rate. Everything is down. Everything is down. Yeah. Yeah. And his, his x stats aren't that far off.
1: Contact it's bad. rate is fine. It's hitting a lot of ground balls, not a lot of line drives. So that'll kind of even out, maybe a little bit. Yeah, the ground balls are elevated max ev is down barrel rate is slightly below league at, below his typical average but if he were to get two barrels in his next game it'd be right there aligned with his kind of um career norms so yeah there seems to be the quality of contact issues i think quality of contact issues are always the hardest because you're trying to figure out what's going on like is the guy injured right i know i didn't did he have covid
0: the beginning um, I, of the year? I want to say he's contact because T. Oscar did and he was out for a while.
1: Okay. I want to um, say Lourdes
0: was contact.
1: Yeah, I think there's that. But also remember that Lourdes is incredibly streaky. I
0: yes.
1: mean, he will be the best hitter in baseball for a month. And so you just want to make sure that you don't miss out on that. And it's just hard to pin it because we don't know of any injury for why, his, why this has happened. Again, the Blue Jays do have the hardest schedule. They've faced the hardest schedule um, according to the uh, strength of schedule that I was that I was looking at. So that's one thing to be considering, too. um, That definitely gives some credence to Vlad's breakout as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I I I would would say the rest of the team's hitting pretty good.
0: So I don't really this, know how. To, how to the, yeah, like that. I know, right? This, this blue jays,
1: this blue jays hat is is my Robbie Ray hat, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think I would hold on to him in deeper leagues. You know, in twelve team leagues, even I'd, I want to have him around because, again, like he has had some stretches of time where he, I think he's didn't he set the record for like most multi hit games in a row, or something, something like, like that. that. He, he, like he
0: was he was hot. He, he got hot at times. Like the thing I'm seeing the most is he's chasing the ball more than he did before and his, and his chase contact went down. So that's obviously going to affect your quality of contact when you're chasing the ball. It's harder to barrel the ball up there. And um, that also obviously also leads to probably more ground balls. If you're chasing balls outside and kind of flapping at them. So I I think that, I think it's more of just, you know, get honed in at the plate, but a lot of these guys like to chase, like that's what they do. And it's uh, you don't want to completely take away their aggressiveness either. So, like he's good, but it's going to get to a point here when these guys start getting all healthy. The odd man out is going to be somebody like Telez isn't playing well, and Gurriel's not playing well. So who sticks around? That's yeah. going to be the... We've already seen Telez go down once and come back. Does it happen again? It's going to be tough to tell. That'll be the interesting one with those two. <laughs> but uh, it gets the embarrassment of riches for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, cousin Timmy asks, In preseason, in preseason hopeful Andres, Andres Jimenez is going to turn it around and get some play good playing time or what? <laughs> After this question was sent, about an hour later, he was optioned to AAA. So I think I think that answers your question. Yeah, what a mistake. He's going to get regular playing time in AAA. He will.
1: Mm-hmm. What a, what a mistake that was. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Well, to be fair, Toby, A, you weren't the only one. B, there were so many conflicting reports. Like he was supposed to be the leadoff guy for the for Cleveland. That's what it looked like, and then it just went. He was f- supposed to be the
1: leadoff guy and the starter. He wasn't supposed yeah. to be in a platoon, Bubba.
0: Yeah, and now he's in A. Oh, God. Yeah, and but... Rosario's not even playing shortstop full-time, it feels like. It's all over the board. Oh, God. So.
1: Rosario's awful, too. He's hitting, like, yeah. 220, which is probably league average.
0: Unless you're the Mariners, then it's,
1: like, way above league
0: average. Yeah, it's pretty wild stuff. Uh, we got one more question here. JB at Beat Rick and Frank asks, does Joey Wendell or Nico Goodrum have any value? We talked about Nico Goodrum already, which I kind of consider. Should we should we be considering uh, we'll start with that? Does Joey Wendell or Goodrum have value? I think Goodrum does. I, I think Wendell does too, but what do you think?
1: Um yeah, I think for Wendell it's uh, mostly about playing time. Yep. For me, um, and the depth of the league. Like I wouldn't want to be anywhere near him in like a 12 team league. Oh no,
0: fifteen for sure. And he's so- flexible. Position yeah. flexibility, huge.
1: Yeah, so he looks kind of like doing what he, he does. Um,
0: I'd, ra- I'd rather have Wendell than Brandon Lau.
1: <laughs>
0: but I've never been Brandon Lau to begin with, but that's just yeah. wanted to throw that one out there real quick.
1: Lau can get on heaters too, though. Lau can get on mm-hmm. heaters too. Um, yeah, Wendell, he's played – he plays against righties, He's not against lefties. So just something you got to be mindful of. And- yep. Pick your spots, but in deeper leagues, I think Wendell is is fine enough.
0: The other one was: should we be considering adding Manny Margot? Manny Margot tilts me, Toby, because I liked him early. He's really had a rough go, but he shows flashes of power and speed. Like we, you want to talk streaky? Here's one right there. So I'd say 15 teamer, sure, but it's tough. It's really he hits in good spots in the raise order when he's hitting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. I think he's I think he's fine. Again, it's so tough with the Rays hitters because you never know. And there's not always with Margot, there's not always method to the madness. You know, it's like, yeah, he'll probably hit against lefties, but you know, they won't really be consistent with him in hitting righties. He has played five out of the last six games though in right field. So, you know, I think Margot is kind of who he is, right? Let's not let's stop trying to make him no. somebody he isn't. Um, you need him for stolen bases. He's not going to give you a ton else, I don't think, but it's certainly useful. Like over the course of a full season, he's on like a 16 home run, 16 stolen base pace. Like that's that's fine. That's what you want with, yep. Yeah, with like 88 RBI and uh, it, 64 runs. You know, it's not awful in a, in a 15-teamer. It's actually fine, especially if you can elevate that batting average a little bit.
0: Yeah, um, which man, I think should happen. His
1: Babip is his is low. So
0: he'll get going. I'm not worried. That whole team is struggling offensively. Take Tuesday out of the equation where Matt Harvey got Matt Harvey'd. But yeah. uh they've been they've been really, really struggling. So I'd expect that to change with a lot of these teams. We'll see though. It's a wild season of baseball, Toby. But um that will wrap us up on episode eighty-four. All the questions are done. Um, we had a good good um, you know, breathing session with our G.L. Leo side or our cast, Castito situation. So mm-hmm. uh, any, any final thoughts as we have wrapped up seven weeks, we're a quarter of the way through the season.
1: Uh, no, my final thought is this is the batting average of the Mariners lineups. 167, 264, that's the, that's the peak, 223, 233, 241, 169, 180, 145, and 195 that's all yeah. that's what i'm going to leave
0: everybody with it's, it's 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 pretty wild stuff and once a week you can guarantee a chance that they're getting no hit through at least six so uh <laughs> have fun with that one if you're streaming stream against the mariners um have <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's good stuff there but you can find toby on twitter at batflip crazy i'm at bd Andrick. if you can rate and review both podcasts bench with bubba and the, the uh, batflip crazy podcast we would much appreciate it and until next time we will catch you guys later